Do you ever feel a bit intimidated or overwhelmed when you find yourself thinking about legal when it comes to your lash business? You're working so hard to build your dreams and achieve your goals, and those shouldn't go down the drain simply because you didn't know how to protect what matters most to you. I'm your host, attorney and friend of the lash industry, Tamsin Horton, and together we'll learn how to protect what matters most when it comes to your lash business so you can confidently take your business to the next level and beyond with simple, easy to understand and action you can take today. You will never feel intimidated or overwhelmed by legal anymore. Welcome to our final portion of our four-part series, really taking care of legally zipping yourself up before, at, and after your appointments. And today, I'm really excited to share with you three questions that I've chosen that came in from our listeners because I think they're really, really good. So the first one we're going to tackle is what do you do about bad reviews? Like, could they be defamation? Second is consent. How often do you really need to get consent? And the third one was really, really good. And it's why can't I just use my phone and send text messages when I'm booking appointments and doing my lash business? So first off, I want to start with the really heavy one, which is defamation. Now, defamation is a legal cause of action. And the question that came in was from an artist. Someone had left a bad review of their experience, and she wondered if that she could sue for defamation. Well, before we get into that, let me tell you what defamation is. It is a statement. Now, the statement can be written. The way that I like to remember it is a written lie is libel. So L and L is libel. Written lie is libel. A spoken lie is slander. So spoken and slander. They are two different causes of action within defamation. And typically, the courts treat libel more uh damaging because it lives on versus spoken however with the excessive amount of audio and video and all of our words flying around that is not as distinct as it would have been even 10 years ago now when you're looking at a statement that someone has made this is what it has to be. It has to be published, meaning a someone other than the two of you heard it. So published such that a third person or millions of third people um, heard it. So it has to be published. It has to be able to be proven false. This is where a lot of stuff gets really tricky because opinions are opinions. They can't be proven false. When someone says, these were the worst lashes I've ever had, That is their opinion. I can't prove that they are, in fact, the worst lashes that person ever had. It has to be injurious, meaning you have to be able to show 
an injury. When you're suing for defamation, you have to be able to show you lost profits, you lost work. There was something damaging that can be proven that is a black and white, pull out a calculator kind of a feature based on the false statement. And then it has to be unprivileged, meaning it cannot be covered. False statements in court are not covered by defamation. Those are covered by perjury. But it attorneys talking in the legislature, like there's certain situations that are privileged communications, meaning they're covered by some kind of a privilege. Now, when someone leaves a bad review, I get it. Your emotions are running high. There, It's probably a really emotionally tense situation. More than likely, you're not going to need a legal cause of action. You might. And as we work through these next steps, when you have a plan, when you are a professional business owner, you've thought this through such that you turn on your plan and it doesn't spiral out into an uncontrollable emotional situation that rarely ever plays out well for business owners. First is stay calm. Take a deep breath. Walk away. Do not respond when your emotions are driving the vehicle. Once you've calmed down, acknowledge it. Never leave a bad review just hanging there. Always acknowledge it. And when you acknowledge it, now these next two pieces are going to come into play. And if you were listening and you've been following along on our entire four-part series, now is when... The stuff that we took care of in the first part of before your appointment, having your client work agreement or your client terms is going to come in very handy for you because as you're acknowledging the bad review, you want to provide the solution. Well, the solution we talked about is handled in your client work agreement. You've laid out the expectations when someone is dissatisfied with their service. You've outlined your refund terms. You have outlined exactly what to do in the situation that someone is dissatisfied. So you're not scrambling around right now trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? This horrible thing is blowing up on my phone and she's making all these comments and it's going, you know, all over to all her friends. No. Not at all. Like you are not going to be in that situation. I'm so excited for you because you are not going to be in that situation ever. You take, you've calmed down. You're acknowledging the person's review. You're providing the solution that you already know what it is because you addressed it and took the time to think it out in your client work agreement or your purchase terms. They all mean exactly the same thing. And then you take the discussion offline. Again, this is where you're using an online scheduler, which we talked about, again, in part one, why it is so vitally important. You have their contact information. Even if it was someone you only met once, you have their contact information. Reach out and deal with them directly. It will diffuse the situation. And crazy is crazy. Yes, there are just people that are They're just nuts. They're really few and far between. So sometimes even doing all of these 
staying calm, acknowledging it, providing the solution, taking it offline, you still will run into a crazy person here or there. When you do, and this is, we'll add this as a little bonus to this answer, when you do run across it, take that person and really look at your before, at, and after the appointment. Could you tighten up any part of that experience? Is there something that you could implement as part of your business practice that would eliminate this crazy person that just came through? That's where we're always learning as business owners. We say, oh, whoa, that was a mess. I don't want that to happen again. All right, let me look at what I am doing before, at, and during. Do I have a hole? Do I have a crack? Can I tighten something up? Can I better educate? Can I better serve? There's a great book that I would love to recommend to you. It's called Never Lose Another Customer by Joey Coleman. It is fantastic. And I myself am going through it again and really nailing down specifics because I've run across holes in my business where I could do better. I could provide a better service. And That's just part of maturing as a business owner. Total FOMO alert. On May 3rd, 2020, NALA is once again hosting the now famous NALA Awards Gala and Conference. You guys, I speak at the NALA conference. I absolutely love it. Levi Shepard and her team put on the most incredible. In fact, it has been named one of the top five lash conferences, and they leave no detail forgotten. And it has quickly, quickly become the red carpet event in the lash world. There are 10 educators for less than the price of one lash course, including yours truly. I will be talking about legal and really fun details on how it is the best Spanx for your lash business. There you'll receive hands-on training, business building, health advice, branding lessons, social media tips, great food, make new friends, get to enjoy the most incredible Forma Gala and dinner, a late night party. Seriously, what more could you ask for? Well, you will save $300 when you purchase your ticket before Sunday, March 15th, 2020. I encourage you, if you have never attended the Nala Gala, please do so. It is such an incredible event and you can visit www.nalagala.com for all the information that you need and to get your very own ticket. I would love to see you there. So bad reviews, don't jump to defamation, stay calm, acknowledge it, provide a solution, take it offline, and keep serving the 99% of people who absolutely adore you and your work. Our second question was, how frequently do I really need to get consent from people whose lashes I'm doing all the time? Here, and this is the proactive, very protective attorney portion of me, every single time, because it is so easy to cover your 
business, when you're using an online booking system, it is just click to agree to the terms every time they book. When you've hooked up the consent piece, the photo release, the waivers, all of those are just part of the booking process. Again, we episode one of this four-part series was really heavy on going through all those pieces. Every single time they book, they are providing consent. If something happens, you're not trying to go back. You're not opening up the can of worms where someone can say, oh, whoops, you know what? You are required to get consent every 12 months, and the last time you got consent was 14 months ago, and now you've opened yourself up to all these situations. That's an area that, depending on the service that was done, the state that you're in, consent, you don't want to litigate that. Like, you just don't want to even open that can of worms. So use an online scheduler. Listen to episode one of this four-part series. Have the consent, the photo release, the waiver. All of those pieces are just checkboxes. Check, 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 check. As a client, I don't even notice it. It is frictionless. However, if something were to ever happen, worst case scenario, you you can pull it up and be like, well, the consent was given two weeks ago. Boom. Yes, that's the position I'd like you to be in. <laughs> in all areas of the law, that is the position that I would want every single one of my clients to be in. Nice, fresh, clean, digitally recorded consent. Mm, that is good stuff. So our final question that I wanted to talk about is, why can't I just use my phone and text customers when they're booking appointments? Okay, we're going to talk about the legal part first. You going back and forth on your phone, you have way too many pieces to remember. Did they, did they complete the consent? Did they agree to your terms? Do you have uh, their onboarding in terms of medical conditions that might be a hard, fast, no, I can't lash you? So all of those pieces that go into before you ever do someone's lashes, you're trying to remember all that in your brain? Okay, I don't know about you, but I can't remember my grocery list, much less did everybody sign the form? Did everyone click all the boxes? Do I have it on file? Is it in the right spot? Is it accurate? Why? No way in the world would I ever, ever say to somebody, sure, just use your phone back and forth. No. We, you, you're opening yourself up to way too many legalities. You're also opening it up to inferences. If something worst case scenario happens and you ever have to stand in front of a judge when you're trying to say, well, you know, look at this text message and look at this and look at that, you look unprofessional. That does not put you on solid, well, you know, very, very firm concrete. You're you're like standing on a waterbed in front of the judge. Like you are so wishy-washy all over the place. Don't put yourself in that situation. There's no need to when there are affordable, easy solutions. The And I know there's tons of services available. I, per, I use Acuity. I've used Acuity for years because it has email and text reminders and I can add forms. I can 
put exactly what needs to be in there exactly the way that it is. And it might take me a couple hours to set up an appointment type. But then once it's set up, it just runs itself. I don't pay an assistant. I don't need an assistant because the computer does all the work. It's $19 a month. Absolutely worth every single penny. You might get 15 minutes with an attorney for $19. Like it's no, just it's not worth it. So besides the legality part of please don't just use your phone back and forth, even when you're starting out, please don't use your phone back and forth. You are unprofessional when even if, you know, I, the salon that I go to, messages come back and forth. Please, you know, click C to confirm or no, whatever it is, no, and then they'll send me a link to reschedule. But that's all done automated. I'm talking about the personal, if I was texting my husband or my girlfriends back and forth, that's what I'm talking about in terms of our phones. Not when it is very methodical. You're sending links from your system. I do that. I have I use stuff on my phone all the time. We all do. You can differentiate yourself. You're a professional. You have spent money and time and effort, and you have lofty, lofty goals for that lash business that you are excited about and you believe in. So please use an online scheduler. Hook up consent, client work agreement, think through your refund terms, all of those pieces that we've been talking through in this four-part series because when you legally zip this up, then they really become non-issues. That's where I completely love the law. When you use the law in a proactive way in your life, in your business, when and if a mess happens, it is so much easier to clean up. It is so much easier to clean up. And I was explaining this to my eight-year-old the other day, and he was asking me something. We saw a picture of his brother when he was really little. And he said, why did we, Why did you only feed him in the kitchen? I'm like, well, because if he drops his food on the floor, super easy to clean up in the kitchen versus in our living room where our dining room table happens to be, we have a very, very light vanilla-colored carpet. When the same food gets dropped on that carpet, a mess. I have to scrub. I have to get stain remover. I probably, if it's like spaghetti or chocolate pudding, I might not be able to get it out of the carpet completely. And so I have to go buy an area rug versus if I had that same spaghetti or chocolate pudding drop on the kitchen floor, no big deal. Grab a paper towel, wipe it up. Nobody even knows it was there. That is why I get so excited talking about legal and being able to share it with you is when you're listening to it right now, you're in the position to take care of this so that metaphorically speaking, if the spaghetti drops on the floor, if the worst thing happens with the lashes, it's on the kitchen floor, not the living room lightly colored vanilla carpet. Now, I'm not your lawyer, so please always do your research, talk to your attorney, and get the specific guidance based on your facts and circumstances. I want to educate you about the legal implications of your business decisions because every business decision has a legal impact and we want them to be positive. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. There is a full-length legal masterclass available on demand at lashinglegally.com. Until next week, where we'll dive into another topic directly related to helping you navigate the legal issues in your lash business so you can protect what you are working so hard to build.